a lot of big-time Gamecock football targets are getting ready to make their final decision, which means the rest of this summer is about to really test the recruiting medal of Shane Beamer. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank y'all for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. And before we get into this Monday edition of Lockdown Gamecocks, I want to let y'all know that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. This is been classified as a recruiting class for South Carolina that could potentially take the Gamecocks to the very next level. And what that means is you got to win some of these big board recruiting battles that you are currently involved in. And with how some of these recruitments have unfolded and the impending decisions that loom large over the next six weeks or so, Shane Beamer's closer recruiting reputation is about to be tested to the fullest extent. To give some quick context into Shane Beamer's closer reputation on the recruiting trail, South Carolina won eight close recruiting battles during the 2023 recruiting cycle, most notably battles that involved athlete Nicholas Harper, where the Gamecocks beat out the likes of Oregon, Michigan, Miami, Maryland, and others. For his pledge, they defeated the back to back national champs in Georgia for defensive line prospect Xavier McLeod, and they flipped in state quarterback prospect Norris Sellers at the early national signing day period from the Syracuse Orange. And that doesn't include all the other ones that they also won as well. Now, South Carolina is set to see multiple 2024 targets make their decisions before the month of August even starts. And that group of players includes guys like wide receiver Jonathan Paler, safety Malcolm Ziegler, wide receiver Keelan Adams, running back Braylon Russell, and safety Kaj Sanders. There's also going to be potentially a few other guys that could make their final decision before football actually kicks off in mid to late August in the high school ranks. And that includes some prospects like edge defender Dylan Stewart, potentially running back Daniel Hill and defensive line prospect Liam Andrews likely making their final decision and Without a doubt, defensive back prospect Jalewis Sullivan, who, according to recent interviews, is probably going to be making a decision in early to mid-August. Now, I have to admit, I'm a little bit concerned about the next six weeks. And the reason why is this. There is a path right now where South Carolina only lands one of the nine prospects and targets that I just listed off to all of you. That one person that I think could commit out of the group right now 
is wide receiver Jonathan Paler. I think there's a lot of confidence on South Carolina's side with the North Carolina pass catcher and offensive weapon. However, when looking at some of these other notable targets, at the very minimum, there are some major toss-ups here. Let's start off with edge defender Dylan Stewart. For the longest time, I had felt quite confident regarding South Carolina's standing in the Washington, D.C. Naves recruitment and long-term have felt like that South Carolina was the team to beat here. After what happened on Sunday night, I no longer feel this way because on Sunday night, Dylan Stewart received three crystal ball predictions to Ohio State. That includes the director of recruiting in Steve Wiltfong, national recruiting analyst Brian Don, and an Ohio State Buckeye insider. On three's recruiting prediction machine has flipped from South Carolina to Ohio State now being listed as the favorite in Stewart's recruitment. And I understand that I myself have told all of you, listen, don't listen to all these recruiting national talking hits because they're all just going along with the Blue Blood programs and assuming that that's where he's going to go instead of a school like South Carolina that historically, admittedly, has not typically landed these kind of guys. But this is a little bit different, in my opinion. Something clearly happened on Sunday night. And as of right now, if Stewart decides to not wait this out and push his decision back to football season or to early National Signing Day or whenever, it seems like South Carolina would be on the outside looking in. And that would really sting, not just because of the kind of caliber of player Dylan Stewart is, but because of the fact that I do feel like South Carolina has been the leader for a very long time here. So to have Ohio State potentially swoop in now and secure a commitment from him would be devastating for South Carolina's fan base. Let's move on to some other notable prospects real quickly. Running back Daniel Hill. At this point, it seems like that the Mississippi native is down to South Carolina and Alabama. South Carolina and Alabama have rarely crossed paths on the recruiting trail when it comes to one-on-one recruiting battles. If South Carolina were to win this recruiting battle over Daniel Hill, it would be because of their culture and the relationships that they have cultivated with Daniel Hill from multiple different levels of the staff. Alabama obviously has got a rich tradition at the running back position. They have pumped out multiple NFL players at that spot. And Tuscaloosa is only located about an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes away from Daniel Hill's current residency in Meridian, Mississippi. He also has not announced any sort of set commitment date. But again, with the official visits he took in June, it does feel like Daniel Hill is closer to making a decision than maybe some other guys. Wide receiver Keelan Adams. He is going to commit on July 13th as of right now. And this one seems to be down to South Carolina and Virginia Tech. Now, South Carolina never got an official visit from Adams in the month of June, but the Hokies did as they hosted him in Blacksburg in the last weekend of June. The bottom line, going over all these prospects and what the current situation seems to be for the majority of these guys, or at least the most notable guys on South Carolina's 2024 recruiting board, 
The Gamecocks have done a phenomenal job to this point in this cycle of both locking down the state of South Carolina and identifying diamonds in the rough and getting them to join their class. Now, South Carolina, it's time to take the next step. They are now trying to land blue chippers in enemy territory and in some cases are going toe-to-toe with top five college football programs to try and land these potential pledges. For that reason, Shane Beamer's closer reputation that, again, he has quickly developed on a touch of a smaller scale with some of these other guys is about to be greatly tested over the next six weeks. So we'll see how things unfold moving forward. I'm not going to sit here and act surprised if South Carolina, you know, doesn't get some of these guys. Clearly, you're not going to land every single target. But the point being, if South Carolina, after putting in all this work with some of these guys, winds up turning around and only securing one or two commits, um, honestly, take all of the stuff I just said and put it to the side, that would be very disappointing. And we would have to have a very tough conversation about the ceiling for this 2024 class moving forward if that's indeed what plays out for the rest of this summer. Now, while I know a lot of you are eagerly awaiting the decisions that some of these high school players are going to make, I know that every single one of you are ready for the 2023 football season. And Later on, I'm going to continue some of the interviews that I've been doing with some of the SEC hosts from the Locked On Podcast Network and talk with Locked On Mizzou host John Miller. We're going to discuss what will happen in last year's matchup, what we are looking forward to with this year's matchup, and what does Eli Drinkwitz have to do in order to prevent himself from possibly getting booted from Columbia, Missouri. We're going to dive into all of those topics and more in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. But first, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Major League Baseball has reached the halfway point of the regular season. And right now, you can take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to 2 Hundred dollars. That's right. Just bet twenty bucks, and you'll land two hundred dollars in bonus bets, win or lose. Right now, based on winning percentages, the Atlanta Braves currently have the best record in all of Major League Baseball. And when correlating that to World Series odds, the Braves sit atop all of Major League Baseball with their World Series odds being listed at plus three sixty. There's no better team in the Major Leagues right now than the Atlanta Braves. And there's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel is the official betting partner of Major League Baseball. Welcome back to today's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. And speaking of every single day, thank you once again to all of you everydayers for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your daily choice 
for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. If you are an everyday of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, and you probably recall a couple weeks ago when I was doing a few different interviews with some of my colleagues over here from the Lockdown Podcast Network. We talked with Lockdown Vols host Eric Kane, talked with Lockdown Gators host Brandon Olson, and a couple other guys as well. And on today's show, I'm pleased to be joined by another Locked On SEC host, this one covering the Missouri Tigers in John Miller, who is our host of the Locked On Mizzou podcast. John, welcome to the show. Hey, Andrew. Good to see you again, man. Yeah, good to see you too. And obviously, uh, we're getting closer and closer to the 2023 college football season. Uh, I cannot wait for the season to get underway because they've got a lot of storylines regarding both of our programs. South Carolina, Missouri are both at maybe not necessarily inflection points, but they, they've got a lot going their way, at least in terms of what else happened this offseason. And John, uh, going back to last year's matchup, obviously, if you're a South Carolina fan, then uh, maybe you want to plug your ears or don't want to plug your ears for the next minute or two. But John, Missouri, obviously, th- they owned the day uh, in 2022. The Tigers seemingly had the momentum from the beginning of the game all the way to the end. The defense obviously gave the Gamecocks plenty of fits. It led to Spencer Rattler saying after the game that, uh, quite frankly, he and some of the guys on offense felt like they didn't really know what to do at certain points. And I think, obviously, you got to give some credit there to Missouri's defense for that happening. So, John, going back to that game, what were your overall thoughts on how that entire contest unfolded? You know, I was surprised, to be honest with you, with just how easily Missouri won that football game because, well, that was the high point of Missouri's season, I would say, and quite possibly the low point for South Carolina, I've got to imagine, because, you know, the Gamecocks had a really solid season last year, no question about it. And it was interesting, you were talking about inflection points. Well, for Missouri, I think this is a this is a huge season for Eli Drinkwitz. He kind of needs to have a winning season, quite honestly, for the first time in four years. He really does. Whereas, for me, where Frank Beamer is, I think he is where Eli Drinkwitz was in the offseason of 2021, where he had sort of come off of a surprisingly good season and sort of was everybody's darling at media days, you know, wearing the Jordans and making jokes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you can see yeah. how quickly the worm can turn is all I'm telling you. Not a prediction of anything for 2023 for South Carolina. It's just, you know, he's the darling right now, but boy, lose a game or two and suddenly ah, people turn quickly. I know that. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, th- this is life in the SEC as we know it. You know, we've seen coaches like Sam Pittman's another good example at Arkansas. Sure. You know, they go eight and four in 2021 or nine and four, excuse me. And, uh, you know, they're, again, one of the biggest up and comer teams when it comes to the national media and all the storylines they have written. And now he goes seven and six this past fall. And all of a sudden now Arkansas fans, at least a certain segment of the fan base, might want him out of there. So, yeah, it is crazy just how quickly fans can turn on their own. And, John, you mentioned it, so we'll go ahead and get on into it. You mentioned Eli Drinkwitz saying that he might need to get a winning season this year in order to save his job. Do you think that that means that you just got to get seven wins, no longer have a six and six regular season record? Do you think that means that maybe you don't just beat South Carolina, but you got to, you know, try to beat Florida, maybe try to get Kentucky or Tennessee? What do you think he has to do to save his job potentially this fall? You know, that's a tough question. I I think he's got to, at the very least, go 500 again, which has kind of been, if you take away the bowl games, well, Missouri's been exactly a 500 team in all three of Eli Drinkwood's season so far. So I think he's got to at least do that. I think you're in a weird spot if if Missouri does do that again, if you're Desiree Reed-Francois, Missouri's athletic director, because 
it's kind of neither fish nor fowl at that point. I think you'd, if you're a Missouri a- administrator, you'd almost rather see them go three and three and uh, three and nine than six and six in a weird way. Cause at least, you know, the direction you're going there. But for me, I I'm fairly optimistic with Missouri. I think they are probably going to have a winning season this year, not predict any college football playoff or anything like that. But if right. they don't get the winning season this year, I'm not sure it's ever going to happen under Drinkwitz. Yeah, no. And there's definitely a couple of factors that are going Missouri's way. I mean, you know, you definitely, you've got a really good defense that's returning a lot of its top players. And uh, also, you know, you've got some options at quarterback and we'll be sure to touch on all that in just a couple of moments, but John, I want to circle back to South Carolina and Missouri's uh, series matchup. So I mentioned this, I believe on our crossover show on our crossover show that we actually did this past fall in that this is a series where it kind of feels like both fan bases see this as a game where they should win it every single year. You know, South Hmm. Carolina, maybe just because of the fact of, you know, Missouri obviously had a great first couple years in the SEC, but since then have tried to sort of find their footing, I guess, since then. And then if you're Missouri, I mean, you've won the series now, or you've won the matchup in this series the past few years. So how do Missouri fans feel about this matchup, uh, John? Is that feeling mutual between Tiger fans and Gamecock fans? I think so, for sure. I think there's definitely a lot of respect for South Carolina and for for Kentucky, for Florida, for Tennessee. And I, and I mention all these programs kind of in the same basket because, I don't know, it seems like for the last few years anyway, there's been three tiers. It's been Georgia, Vanderbilt on the bottom, and then everybody else in the middle. So if you're a South Carolina fan or you're a Missouri fan or any of these other teams, you're looking at these games on your schedule every year and you're going, okay, we got – South Carolina at home, I guess that should be a win. Then on the road, you're going, oh, I don't know, maybe not. That's probably what every fan base is saying to themselves. I have found that sort of that situation to be kind of fascinating. I really do. It's like we're almost the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a great way of putting it, John. And uh, yeah, you know, I've kind of found it funny this offseason how, you know, like you mentioned, Georgia's the cream of the crop when it comes to the SEC and all of college football right now. And a team like Tennessee, you see that fan base kind of trying to throw their name in there a little bit, even though Georgia still really wiped the floor with them and every bite pretty much that they faced actually outside of Missouri in 2022. So, yeah, certainly uh, certainly a lot of interesting dynamics when it comes to the series between South Carolina and Missouri. John, with that being said, let's look at the 2023 matchup because for both of these teams, this could be a really important game in terms of whether or not they're going to reach their end goals for 2023. You look at the Missouri Tigers schedule, the Tigers got a couple of tough games before the South Carolina matchup. They play the LSU Tigers at home. Then they got to travel to Lexington, Kentucky the week prior to their matchup with South Carolina. And then you get that bye week afterwards. And then for South Carolina, you got a game against Florida where you're going to try to get revenge against the Gators at home. Then you travel to Columbia, Missouri. And then the week after that, you have the dread back-to-back road game slate being concluded with a matchup against the Aggies of Texas A&M. So, John, looking at these schedule dynamics, what are your sort of initial thoughts regarding the matchup between both these teams this upcoming fall? Well, I think the first half of the schedule for Missouri, you know, you've got the non-conference part of it. Kansas State comes to town. The Wildcats handled Missouri last season in Manhattan. Kind of an embarrassment, to be honest with you. So there's going to be a lot of motivation for Missouri to come out, show out well, and play well in that football game. Obviously, Kansas State is just a better program right now. So 
to act like Missouri is going to expect to win that game, I think would be foolish. At the same time, there's a real chance that Missouri could start the season, say, 6-0 and or something like that. So to be able to then continue that momentum, again, beating teams like South Carolina, sort of those teams in that same tier that have been in the SEC East for all these years. Again, once again, the South Carolina game is incredibly important. Ironically, in a weird way, the 2013 game that the Gamecocks won in Columbia, that famous game, Missouri's kicker doinks it off the upright there. Yeah. That game didn't even actually end up mattering for Missouri. They ended up making the SEC title anyway. If they had just beaten Auburn, they'd have played for the national championship and won the conference. So even though that was the most memorable game, probably the most exciting game in the series, weirdly enough, ironically enough, it didn't actually mean anything for Missouri in the long run. Yeah, and you know, and you brought it up for South Carolina earlier. You know, obviously the loss against Missouri was uh, you know, a real hurtful one for the Gamecocks this past fall. And then they followed that up with, I believe, uh, Went over Vanderbilt, which everybody expects to win that game. And then the debacle against the Florida Gators, just an absolute thrashing. And then they beat Tennessee and Clemson and basically take off like a core of the playoff field at the end of the regular season, just because why not? So, yeah, a lot of interesting things can definitely happen. But still, this this game definitely means a lot to both these programs and both of these fan bases. I'm sure that's not going to be any different in 2023. John Miller and I are going to continue to discuss what all is going on in Columbia, Missouri. Who could be the quarterback for the Tigers this upcoming fall? And also, is the defense being underrated a little bit in Mizzou? We're going to talk about all that and more in just a couple moments after these messages. All right, continue our conversation here with Locked On Mizzou host John Miller. John, obviously, when it comes to a football team, the most important position is the quarterback position. It's the position that every single fan wants to know about. What are Who's going to be the guy that is going to be throwing the football, slinging the picks, get around for your team this upcoming season? And for Missouri, they've got a bit of a quandary at that spot, it seems like. Brady Cook was, of course, y'all starter last year, seemed to have some sort of ups and downs. South Carolina game was obviously probably his best game or one of his best games of the season. Sam Horn, I know that there's a lot of Missouri fans that seem to really like the potential that he offers. And then Jake Garcia from the University of Miami, a transfer that the Tigers got this offseason, also seems to be an intriguing option. So, John, what's the latest going on with this quarterback situation up in Columbia, Mizzou? Yeah, I think the deal is the quarterback situation isn't set, but I think if if you're an odds maker, if you're somebody over at FanDuel Sportsbook, you're going to give Brady Cook he's going to be the odds on favorite. He's definitely your favorite to be the starter right now, but again, I wouldn't bet my life savings on it because, you know, it was up and down for Brady last season. I mentioned the Kansas State game. Well, he actually hurt his labrum in that game, finished out, was ineffective for the most part but was able to play with it, obviously, the rest of the season. He had surgery this offseason. is apparently a full go. Based on everything Eli Drinkwitz is saying, I think he's your leader in the clubhouse. Having said that, you mentioned Missouri fans have a lot of, I don't know, some hype, I guess, or, or excited for Sam Horn, and, and that's really the point. It really is all just hype at this point. We've seen Horn throw two or three passes in one very, very cold game against New Mexico State last year. We have nothing else to really go on other than his very high high school rankings. And guess what? Jake Garcia had even higher rankings than him. But since we've kind of seen him semi-fail at Miami before, people are less excited about him. So my point here is that I I really think it is going to be Cook. If I had to bet on you today, I think it'll be Cook. And, well, 
Cook definitely had one of his best games against South Carolina when Drinkwitz had actually given up play calling duties. Missouri has since hired another offensive coordinator, Kirby Moore, brother of Kellen Moore, former Boise State quarterback, uh, Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator. So an interesting name there. I think it's a good thing, period, for Drinkwitz to just take a little bit off his table. There's so off his plate, I guess I should say, because with transfer portal NIL, just the world has changed since 2020, even when he was hired as Missouri's coach. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And you make a great point about uh, Eli Drinkwitz being willing to make that kind of move because I, again, I kind of feel like that's not getting brought up enough with Missouri. I mean, because you look at Jimbo Fisher and it's like they had to almost twist his arm off for him to finally go, okay, fine, I'll give up play calling duties. I'll get Bobby Petrino over here from UNLV to come on over to College right. Station. But Eli Drinkwitz, you know, he willingly gave it up and it doesn't seem like that he's been really combative or passive aggressive about it all when it's been asked at certain press conferences. And so I think that, you know, that is something that Missouri Tiger fans should be excited about just from my perspective. And I mean, you look back at the defensive coaching hire he made this past year in Blake Baker. Let's get into the defense for Missouri, because obviously um, when we did this game prediction last season, I predicted South Carolina to win. But I got to admit to you, John, when I was in the press box waiting for the game to get ready to start, and I looked at the stats for Missouri's defense, I sat there and slowly over the course of like five minutes changed my mind on how I thought this game would go, sitting there realizing Missouri has got a much better defense that I even gave them credit for. So you look at them. They rank ninth in the country returning defensive production, according to ESPN's Bill Connolly. They got guys like Tyrone Hopper, Chris Abrams, Drain coming back in that secondary John, what should we make of this defense? I think they're one of the absolute best groups in the SEC for this upcoming season. Our colleagues did a did a poll, took a poll, did, answered lots of questions. Well, in terms of ranking the defenses in the conference, they have Missouri 10th. And I found that pretty astonishing because I thought Missouri was easily better than the 10th best defense in the conference last year, more like top five closer than 10th for sure and like you said Missouri has a tremendous amount of returning production back I fully expect this to be an excellent defense once again if not a little bit better than last season you've just got a bunch of guys with more experience with more continuity and more familiarity with what Blake Baker is trying to do out there this is the first time in many years that Missouri is just going to have hey our our defensive coordinators coming back we're not going to change the scheme and guess what Scheme worked great last season. If anything, I think there's some younger guys like Dalen Carnell, a guy who's going to play the star position, sort of a hybrid linebacker safety position. He was like a four-star recruit as a corner at one point. So he's really good in coverage, and he can can put a lick on you in the run game too. So I'm really excited about him. So as long as Missouri – the one thing Tennessee showed last year is you could throw on Missouri – if you have enough receivers, you could pick out a safety and maybe pick on them a little bit. I don't know that most teams are going to have that amount of receivers. That and edge rusher, Missouri's got to find something at edge rusher. They lost a couple important guys there, but otherwise, everybody's back and looking pretty good. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And uh, that, that Missouri defense, the thing I recall from last year's matchup is all the exotic blitzes that they threw out. I mean, Missouri, that defense is going to confuse you. They're going to send guys from multiple different spots and levels of the field. And so, you know, they definitely are not a unit to sleep on if you are an SEC East team heading into 2023. 
He is John Miller of the Locked on Mizzou podcast. John, I thank you so much for coming on to today's show. Where can all of the fine folks find your work on Missouri? Well, of course, you can subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, SiriusXM app, the whole deal. And uh, yeah, and follow me on social media everywhere at Locked on Mizzou. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. John, thanks for coming on once again. And for all you Locked On Gamecock fans who are listening or watching today's show, have a great rest of your day, and I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.